doing, Zach Cassidy? Adam Henry, Bobby Jones. Jeff Jarrett. Joe Siddle. TJ Laramie. And Holy Mackinac, you're listening to Wind City Sports. What up, everybody? My name is Drake Moore, and thank you for streaming or downloading this episode of the Wind City Sports Podcast. Windsor's only local sports radio show and podcast. The radio show airs live on CJAM 99.1 FM every Thursday at 12.30 and replays on Tuesdays at 8 p.m. in Windsor and Detroit. You can catch every single episode of the Wind City Sports Podcast, of course, wherever you're listening to it right now, but you are available on every major podcast platform, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We also have Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, all that social media. So give us a like, follow, subscribe, whatever it may be, at WinCity underscore sports. But we'll tell you how to access that as well as the podcast again at the end of the show as we normally do. But today is Thursday, December 5th, 2019, and it's episode 174 of WinCity Sports. Man, the year is winding down our first episode of December of 2019, and we're only going to have three this uh, this month. As normal, um, we're going to take the week of Christmas and the week of New Year's off, and uh, we'll be talking about that as well um, as some other things coming to the show uh, in the next few weeks, but we still will do the Win City Sports Radio Show at least on um, the first week, I believe, uh, depending on... Uh, the CAW Center's uh, schedule. So more to come on that. Uh, but we're looking to still do a radio broadca- broadcast while the podcast is on hiatus. But this week on Win City Sports, we have a pretty interesting guest, uh, quite the gem as well. Um, from Thunder Bay, Ontario, it's Vern Stenlin. Vern played in the uh, NHL for the Cleveland Barons back in 1976-77 season. Uh, he was a pro hockey player. For a few years, but and before that, he played for the London Knights, as you'll hear. He even played for the Chatham Maroons back in 1972-73, which is what brought him to Windsor-Essex. From there, he went on to become a professor, getting his doctorate at the University of Michigan, and then working here at the University of Windsor. He also became a coach and briefly uh, coached our Windsor Spitfires in the 90s, and an author. He helped Bobby Orr write his first memoir, and many others he's helped uh, write books as we talk about in the interview itself. It's pretty stellar. Uh, but first, we just got to tell you about our Windsor Lancers Athletes of the Week. Then we'll get into the interview. And then following that, we have some local sports news on our Windsor Lancers, Spitfires, and more. And you can hear a lot more on the Wind City Sports Radio Show if you're listening to the podcast first thing in the morning. And thank you for doing so. But right now, our Windsor Lancers Athletes of the Week via golancers.ca. From our women's track and field team, it's Kelly Hodgins. And from the men's basketball team, Shaquille Price. The first-year Lancer had a tremendous game for the blue and gold in the men's basketball team's final game of 2019. Shaquille led all scorers with 25 points on 56% shooting as the Lancers defeated the visiting Guelph Griffins 98-77 at the St. Dennis Center. Meanwhile, Kelly had a great meet at the Bob Vigers season opener on the weekend in London, pacing first overall in the women's 200 meters. So congratulations to both Kelly and Shaquille on becoming our Windsor Lancers Athletes of the Week. But now without further ado, we transition over to the interview with former University of Windsor professor, former pro hockey player, coach, author, and so much more, Vern Stenlin. Here we go. So I'm here with a retired pro hockey player who became known in his retirement as a university professor here at the University of Windsor, author and coach. 
He played in the NHL for the Cleveland Barons during the 1976-77 season. Now, post-retirement from his career as a professor is the Leamington Flyers Director of Personnel, Dr. Vern Stenlin. Welcome to the show, man. Thank you very much. Uh, nice being here. Absolutely. So how did a kid from Thunder Bay end up playing for the Chatham Maroons? That's a great question. I, I, um, I was scouted by, uh, by the people in Chatham who owned the team at the time and uh, was invited to come down to training camp and try my luck as a midget player and came east and um, you know Thunder Bay at that point in time didn't have a lot of opportunities at the junior level oh, yeah. relatively isolated okay. and I'd had a dream since I was about eight years old that I wanted to play professional hockey and so this was uh, a great opportunity and so I came in and up in Chatham, Ontario and it was a great decision. Mm -hmm. And obviously he's stuck around to, uh, to yeah. this day because that's what I was like Okay, so it says he's born in, in Thunder Bay. Your yeah. first uh, your first thing there on your playing career is Chatham. So I'm like, where, you know, how do you get there? Did you, I didn't know if you guys moved down here in between or if you were recruited. Uh, obviously, that answers the yeah. question. But uh, from there, you go off to the London Knights and the OHA at the time. Yeah. Uh, three seasons spent there. Put up some good points in your last season. Uh, take us through the junior as much as you can remember. Well, you know, junior hockey is... It was great for me in the sense that I had two things that really interested me. I mean, hockey's been a life, lifelong love of mine, a passion, and I always enjoyed school. And so in that environment, you know, you, there were expectations on what you would do in terms of your hockey. Obviously, it's, it's elite level hockey, but uh, it, it also meant that I had to focus my time and my energies if I was going to get through my schooling. So it was great discipline for me. And it, it would help me later on in, in my uh, yeah, graduate sure. work or what have you. So, I mean, my time in London was was uh, was great. wasn't easy early. I was a high pick. Had an average rookie season. But uh, once I got physically a little stronger, when, when we finished up, you know, we finished up pretty well. Yeah, so you started to kind of get comfortable yeah. and kind of learn, I yeah. guess, life. Or like you said, just balancing yeah. both the game right. and life, right? That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. And... You know, after your junior career, 1976, this is where it's going to get interesting because we've had a lot of hockey players on the show, right. but uh, a little bit of a different era we're going to get into here. So, <laughs> oh, you're saying I'm getting old. <laughs> hey, that's, that's okay. you that's said it. Okay. <laughs> 76, you're drafted to uh, the WHA's uh, Cleveland Crusaders right. and the NHL's California Seals. So both, for me, are like almost make-believe teams, <laughs> <laughs> including the Barons where he ended up playing. Right, so right. assuming like, it's a different time, you know, we have those two big pro leagues, the WHA yeah. and, the, and the NHL. Are you drafted to both and kind of have that decision where to go or like how did that all kind of work? At yeah, it was very similar to the, you know, the AFL and the NFL. Yeah. Uh, when, when the AFL was born, it was in complete competition with, uh, with the other leagues. So the World Hockey Association represented an opportunity for a lot of young players to, um, you know, they were throwing a lot of cash around at the time. Mm -hmm. So I was drafted, I think, in the fourth round by the Crusaders and and uh, contacted by them. But then shortly thereafter, the NHL draft, I went second round to, to uh, California. And um, and that's where I ended up. But it, it was a good time for players because salary started to move upward. And... Uh, and so that was good for a kid from the sticks in Thunder Bay because I never really had two yeah. nickels to rub together. <laughs> so it was an exciting time in my life. Yeah, it's pretty cool actually coming from again yeah. Thunder Bay and a different time back then. You know, they always talk about now like the money aspect of it. Yeah. I mean, it was completely different back then. Like you mentioned, WHA was trying to recruit people. Yep. So was that like difficult for you to kind of decide where you were going? Or? Well, for me, it really it really wasn't because at the end of the day, the money, you know. 
again, I, I didn't come from a lot in terms of financial security, so the contract that I was offered by the NHL was a three-year versus a one-year by the mm. by the WHA, and it, it was a two-way contract. It was still good money if I was playing in the Central League at the time, and mm. so when the and, and it was the NHL, it was still the Premier League in the world. So Absolutely. when the decision had to be made. Myself and my agent at the time was a gentleman by the name of Brent Imlack, and I don't know if you know the name Punch Imlack, but he's one of the legendary guys in hockey, was the GM of the Maple Leafs. It was his son who was my agent. Okay. So we had a lot of advice from Punch and different people at the time. Yeah. So it, it was an exciting time. That's cool. Again, just a kid from Thunder Bay. It's yeah. kind of thrown into all this. I guess oh, it just yeah. kind of started yeah. to happen, right? So That's right. Um, briefly, kind of go because your career, honestly, it wasn't very long, right? So uh, you get into the CHL, you play a few games in the NHL, yeah. and then back uh, to kind of wrap it up. So. Just kind of tell me about that time, I suppose. I mean, you were pretty young still at the time, probably like 20, 21. Yeah, I was drafted at, at 20, yeah. And in those days, the, that was the draft. You had to wait till your last year of junior. So um, I got drafted, you know, and when I went in, physically, I, I wasn't really physically ready for pro hockey. People have no idea, mm -hmm. even going back to in that era. I mean, you're going against guys that are, they're men, and mm -hmm. you're really still a boy. And uh, so I, I actually got banged up pretty early in my first training camp. And, uh, and it uh, so the injuries kind of mounted early for me, so that that made it uh, made it tough. Yeah, and I mean, like I said, it was a different time. Uh, obviously, off the ice, but on the ice yeah. too. That old school. Oh yeah, uh, hockey it was tough mentality. hockey. Right? It was tough hockey. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know, a lot of people today, um, being a part of that era, everybody. I think there was a differentiation in your roles, and and I mean, I was a skilled guy, and so anybody that was a quote unquote fighter, for example, a Bob Probert. He wouldn't waste his time on a guy like me. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's there was a certain, for lack of a better word, there was a certain code in those days. The skilled guys were left alone. I mean, you took their body and everything else, but but it, it, time's a little bit different now, and, and there's this uh, blurring of who does what and what the responsibilities are, and I think as a result, you're seeing a lot of our, our top-end players injured more often. Concussions are a bigger factor. So, I, I, you know, I guess there's a... There's pros to taking the fighting out of hockey, but there are also some some cons as well. Yeah, of course. Again, it's the the mentality, the the history of it. You know yep. what I mean? Like, um, there's not that kind of enforcer anymore. Nope. Pretty much what it comes down to, right? There are some left, and the teams that have them yeah. are going to answer to the people getting hurt and stuff like that. The Maple Leafs fans. So <laughs> I know we don't have one. That's well, they're why our guys they're playing. Hurt. They're playing a different type of hockey. There, exactly. So. And well, time will tell whether it's a good decision by the management group. Yeah, and you know, you have to evolve. The game yep. evolves and you have to evolve with it, right? So this is what we're faced with now. Yeah. And again, we'll probably get into it as well because you've gone on and, and uh, seen the other side of it. So as you mentioned, uh, uh, you, you always loved hockey, but you were always in the school as well. So following your career there, you made the decision to go to the University of Michigan, actually. So yeah. uh, how did that all kind of come to be? Like, how was the decision made and was, was it tough for you? No, I always, uh, you know, again, I, I enjoyed learning. I still do to this day and uh, and trying trying different things. And I, I, I got a position at the University of Windsor, the Faculty of Education, and, and I was basically told, you know, if you want to stay in this particular game, you've got to get the letters in front of your name. So I started by getting my master's here at, at Windsor. I had done my, uh, I'd started my undergrad by the time I graduated from junior hockey in London. I had my first year done at Western. And so eventually, uh, after I completed my career in Europe, I came back and, and started working on that undergrad and then did my BED at Western, 
then my master's here at, at Windsor, and then was accepted to the University of Michigan, mm -hmm. and uh, had, a, had a great time all the way along. I will say this, the master's that I took at the University of Windsor, of all, you know, I had fortunate to get four degrees through, throughout my time, academic life. The degree I got here was by far the, the toughest, uh, most stringent, and uh, really set me up for the doctorate because uh, they, they put me through a knothole here. It was a great degree. And so I'm very proud to have a master's out of the University of Windsor. Absolutely. So uh, to kind of go back to the beginning of that part yeah. of your life, I mean, so you decide to go to school or whatever, you come here to the University of Windsor. Does that go back to your, your Chatham days? Like where was the connection there? Or, or were you kind of just looking for schools? And, and yeah, no, I, I married a gal from Kent Bridge just okay. outside of Chatham. Okay. We met in high school um, when I came down. And um, 42 years now we've been together. It's been great. Fantastic. And so... You know, we've had family and friends in this area, and so when I had a chance to come and uh, as a lecturer to University of Windsor, we jumped on it because uh, I always loved this area. I've always said, you know, Essex County, this, this area is one of the best kept secrets in the country. Yeah. It's a beautiful area and a lot warmer than Thunder Bay. Yeah. So, uh, no, that was an, an easy decision and one I've never regretted. So again, like you spent uh, a long career here, and you just retired just uh, pretty five, much five, five years, years ago. ago. Yeah. I mean, I not too long ago. Twenty-nine years at the university is great. Yeah, so great I'm, employer. I'm sure you had tons of uh, great memories here and tons of stories you could tell. But yeah, we don't have I time mean, for some of the yeah, stories. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, this this was a great great employer. It's a it's a wonderful campus. Um, you know, of all the people that I, I worked with and, and met over the course of serving on different committees and what have you, just a, a really engaged bunch of faculty who care about the kids. And uh, you don't always get that. I mean, at Michigan, I, I love Michigan, and it's my American alma mater, but mm -hmm. I didn't get the personal attention there that I got here. Yeah. And, and I don't, and I don't, I'm very proud of the fact that I was a faculty member here and and proud to say that I'm a, a Windsor alum. Mm -hmm. and, and being both a student, I guess, and a professor, and, and seeing both those aspects at a, at a Canadian school and an American school, do you see the difference in the education there? Well, I've always maintained that um, outside of the Ivy League of the United States of America, you can put just about any Canadian university and say, here we are, and ladies and gentlemen, let's, let's compare how we do versus how everybody else, whether it's in the States or around the world. Mm -hmm. I think our educational system uh, post-secondary is outstanding. And you, you only need look at what our graduates have done around the world, a uh, relatively small country. We put on a pretty significant cohort of high-end people. And that's a tribute to, to people that, uh, that, that teach and, and lecture. And uh, so I've always thought we have a pretty good system. Here. Mm -hmm. Very strong. And I mean, to kind of, I guess, kind of bring it together, because you got the hockey aspect of your life and coaching as well. Um, and now the professor uh, career. So did you ever find a moment where you wanted to link hockey and, and teaching together? Or was that always the goal or? Oh no, I, I did that all the way through because yeah. I mean, I met, you know, again, we don't have time to talk about the people that I met through hockey, but it's a very small community. And I mean, the stories I could tell you about the, the, the things I picked up from some great, predominantly great men because of the hockey side of it, but a lot of wonderful women too in, in uh, Hockey Canada, and, and so a lot of my lecture notes were were filled with, if, if they weren't necessarily direct anecdotes of hockey, a lot of the content had a hockey background to it because there were so many positive lessons I learned through that. So I mean that those types of stories, those types of 
of uh, things that happened to me, they permeated my entire academic career. Mm -hmm. I mean, no question. There was a natural link there. Okay. And uh, and it continues to this day. Mm -hmm. and especially when in coaching hockey, oh, you're yeah. kind of teaching the same values that you, you might in the classroom, right? Well, I've always said that to me, coaching is the highest form of teaching because in coaching, you also have to you have to be a wonderful teacher if you're going to be an effective uh, an effective coach. But you also have to deal with emotion more so than the average classroom teacher has to. You you got people on a bench. Uh, in, a, in a hockey rink or in a basketball court, and you got to deal with high-end emotion. People get jacked up, people get disappointed, they get frustrated, and so uh, you know you have to take it to the next level as a coach, not just to be a wonderful tactician, but how do you learn to properly motivate uh, different types of, of psychologies that you have on the mm -hmm. bench? So it's 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 quite a science. It's it's an art and a science, as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely, you're dealing with all these different people. I mean, yep. uh, everyone reacts differently, everyone oh, yeah. is different, and, and it continues further than the game. Yep. Like that day, you know, whatever might happen in that game, you still have the rest of the season. You have the off-season, you That's have school, right. to, you have personal life. To deal yeah, with. you got personal life. You have people that are having fights with boyfriends and girlfriends and having problems at school, and so you have to try and be able to work, uh, identify those and help work through that stuff, because if you're going to play a sport at, a, at an elite level and you're, you're, you want to be successful, you have to have your ducks in a row. You know, and mm -hmm. so that, that doesn't happen by accident. You, you need effective coaches to help you with that. Yeah, so the right kind of people kind of fall into place there, yeah. I suppose, right? Yep. And as you mentioned, I mean, you probably cross paths with a lot of people in hockey and in uh, oh, yeah. and in just in life, but one person we got to talk about is uh, Bobby Orr. How did you link, link up with him? And you're actually the ghostwriter for his, yeah. his first book, yeah, right? Yeah, Robert Gordon Orr, pretty good fella. And I won't, <laughs> won't go into the particulars yeah. of how we got together, but we've been friends now for about 30 years. And okay. All I can tell you about him is he's he's better than advertised. He uh, he's the same guy whether you're sitting one on one with him or in a crowded room. He's just uh, he's just uh, he's one of those old school kind of people. Loyalty means something to him. Honor means something to him. And uh, it's been a pleasure to get to know him and and to work on not just one but uh, the, the two books we've done together have been really fun. Mm -hmm. That's got to be. Cool. I mean, when I seen that, I'm like, that's pretty cool to just uh, to kind of be associated with yeah. that kind of that light, I suppose. And not yeah, mind you, he's not he's not easy to work with. Yeah. I mean, the guy, the guy, <laughs> we had a lot of fights uh, over the over his kitchen table about that first book because he had he's not one of these people that says here write a book and I'll sign off on it. Mm -hmm. He vetted every word. He's very very uh, fine at, at editing and and at uh, Looking and seeing, well, that, you know, he wanted it in his tongue, in his in his own voice, so he wouldn't let you slip in words that that didn't resonate with him, and so we had a lot of battles. He's he's a perfectionist, and so that was that was a three year process. That yeah. that was not, you know, right for two months throw a book out. That was three years before he signed off on it. And, and how does that work? So he kind of gives you the words, and you're going to try and put it on paper, and that's where the, the clashing maybe. Yeah, you know, there. we we actually had an interesting process we went through we sort of decided on the, the skeleton of the book how it was going to flow and then we got into a rhythm of uh, I'll never forget the first time it happened we were in Cape Cod at, at his, his place there and we were going through some uh, we each had a copy of the pages and finally I said listen let me just read this to you and I want you to see how it sounds to you and I started reading and um, about a minute in he interrupted me and he said excuse me he says can I add something I said yeah go ahead 
don't forget that I forget what the story was about mm -hmm. John Busick or something. Put this one down. That would that would fit well there. And so so began this rhythm of literally I would read to him, and that's how he edited. He he preferred that over doing it in, in writing. He he wanted to hear it mm -hmm. and then react to it. And so that's how the rest of the book was written. It was a fun process. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And again, like there's different people, right? So I always say that people rather learn by seeing, That's doing, right. or, or watching and hearing, right? That's so right. I guess that was kind of his, his sort of thing, right? That's right. It yeah. worked for us anyway. That's cool. And uh, again, to make connections with people yeah. and, and whatnot, you've done so much. And even so with uh, professional level and like committees and working with Hockey Canada. I mean, oh, yeah. you work with a lot of good people good people in, in organizations as well, right? Yeah, and, and you know, the, the whole thing with Hockey Canada is, you know, I've been with them for 20, 25 years, I guess, and served on a lot of committees and chaired a lot of committees, and, and the thing that I came to realize early on, basically a volunteer organization, except for the mothership out in Calgary and, you know, our second location in Ottawa where you have a core staff, but I mean, whether it was Bob Nicholson or Tom Rennie, these, these guys are top-end hockey people, and Everything they do is for the kids, and it may not always seem that way, but most of these volunteers, I'll tell you, I have great respect. Uh, you know, the press, people can, <laughs> everybody's a critic. Everybody has their own opinion, and that's fine, and, and so Hockey Canada's been criticized, but I can tell you from being on the inside that most of the decisions that I was a part of over the years were done with one thing and one thing only in mind, and that was for the benefit of young boys and girls on the ice. End of statement. Mm -hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, it's the game, right? It's from yep. the bottom up. That's right. And um, that's the goal, no matter what. It's good to see that no matter what, that doesn't change. No, that's right. And I think the results over time, if you look, pretty substantial. Uh, we, we've done a pretty good job in this country with our with our um, quasi-national sport. Of course, mm -hmm. the cross is, is the first one, but we've done pretty well in hockey. Absolutely, it, and it's great to see. You yeah. know, like again, the game has evolved, yeah. but it's just grown. And it's yeah. gotten bigger and bigger. Yeah, absolutely. Great to see, and especially in a, a big community and a small community around here in Windsor, totally. ethics can be both, right? Yeah, so true. it seems like you had obviously a, a great time playing hockey, yeah. a great post hockey career as a professor, and now yeah. are enjoying life uh, post retirement, right? Yeah. yeah no, it's it's uh, retire. The word retirement yeah. is kind of an oxymoron, I think. I, there's just so many, there's not enough hours in the day as far mm -hmm. as I'm concerned and I've, I've been blessed to be able to do some other projects along the way now, get involved with some other things and uh, and I'm just enjoying my time and enjoying family. We have four grandchildren and one more coming and, and so traveling a lot to see them and um, just having a great time. That's what it's all about, man. Yeah. It's life, right? And you're still keeping yourself involved in hockey, if I'm not mistaken. You're still with the Flyers? Or? Yeah, they asked me to come out. A couple of former players uh, that are part of the new ownership group in mm -hmm. Leamington, so I'm helping where I can, but um, not, not not too involved, but just uh, I think they just want another set of eyes on things, mm -hmm. so I'm having fun with that. Yeah, so what's kind of your role there as a pl player uh, personnel director? Yeah, right? I'm sort so. of helping if, if somebody is looking to try and do something, either Canadian youth sport or... or if they want to try and head south of the border, give them some academic counseling in terms of what they might expect, and just be available to them if they want to talk about some things that, uh, again, are bothering them or they need information. Mm -hmm. 
help wherever you can. Yeah, you need a person like that, and like yeah. everybody does, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. And now with the the hockey system the way it is, a lot of, a lot of kids are going to use for going over oh, yeah. overseas, right? Yeah. I think that there's uh, more opportunity for players like that than there ever have been. Oh yeah, and the other thing about I mean having coached here at the University of Windsor, in the last five seven years now, you've got a chance too to to, to get some some cash for your time, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and that's that's a good thing too. I mean a lot of these guys and gals are, are struggling to pay bills and go to university and uh, so it's nice they can use their skills and maybe get a little uh, relief from the burden of, of uh, course costs books and everything so yeah. it's nice it's yeah. a, it's a youth sports a great option absolutely and to go back all the way to your uh, your junior days like you said you learned a balanced life oh, yeah. and and hockey and that's what you're kind of helping people do now right Hopefully. again it's uh it's a game, but at a certain point, it's a business too, right? For these people yeah. that have put in their time and now are looking to, to kind of get what they deserve, I suppose, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, old coach of mine said something to me years ago when I was a young man. He said, uh, "Don't let hockey use you. You use hockey." Mm -hmm. And and I've been lucky that over the course of my life, I I, I, I don't feel that I was used by the game. I enjoyed it. I always considered it almost an art form and I enjoyed being a, a part of painting that that picture every time I went on the ice and so I have fond fond memories of, of the mm -hmm. game and still still enjoy being involved in it. That's great that's I've heard uh, someone else say that on the show as well they use it to to see the world and, yep. and to live life right and the whole theme of this conversation has pretty much been life and yep. and uh, and like we talked about the retirement quote-unquote kind of thing it's you're just always living life, so it's cool to see what you've done and still well, being here in, in Windsor and, and still doing it and enjoying life, man. So thank you for take, coming out to, to My meet me. My pleasure. Good luck here, CJ. Keep it rolling. Keep it rocking here. <laughs>
currently sitting in second place in the OHL's Western Conference. The Spits gear up for Kitchener tonight at the WFCU Center for a 7 p.m. game. Friday night, they will travel to Sarnia to take on the Spirit, and they will rematch the Spirit next Thursday at home. More information can be found on windsorspitfires.com. And finally, we're going to wrap it up with our Windsor Lancers recap. The men's and women's basketball teams picked up wins on Wednesday over Guelph here in Windsor. The men's hockey team suffered a revenge loss to Western University Friday at home. And the University of Guelph went perfect over the weekend as they defeated the men's and women's hockey teams as well as our volleyball teams. In other news, men's goaltender Jonathan Reinhardt has also been selected by the youth sports all-star roster to represent Canada in the National Juniors next week. So congratulations to Jonathan as well. And as of now, all sports are on hiatus until after exams and the Christmas holiday. But for more information, you can go to golancers.ca for all Lancers sports, games, times, and more. But it looks like that's it this week on Win City Sports. My name is Drake Damore, and I'm here every Thursday with a brand new episode and a brand new edition of the Win City Sports radio show. That airs live on CJAM 99.1 FM in both Windsor and Detroit every Thursday at 12.30. But you can hear replays on Tuesdays at 8 p.m. or catch the podcast anywhere and everywhere on the go. Go to directly to WinCitySports.com if you're ever trying to find us and having trouble. But you can just simply search up Win City Sports or the Win City Sports Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, you name it. Every app we're on there. Uh, Win City is all one word. If again, if you're having trouble finding us, W I N C I T Y. And that goes to the same for social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at Win City underscore Sports. If you're trying to find us, or just search up Win City Sports. W I N C I T Y, all one word. And you can also follow me, Drake Demore, on Twitter and Instagram at Drake Demore. But until next week, smell you later. <laughs>